Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 85 of From the Jingweeds. From the Jingweeds podcast is brought to you by Southwest Turf Support. Southwest Turf Support supplies golf courses and professional sports fields with the highest quality products and services. Southwest Turf Support is located right here in Phoenix, Arizona. They take care of everybody in all of Arizona. They also cover Nevada, Southern California, and also New Mexico. Visit swturfsupport.com where you can find out who your local rep is in your area, along with a list of all their products that they distribute. They carry Florentine Foliar products, Guru Turf Colorants, Turf Mend, Repair the Bear, Grow Power, Ninja Tines, JRM Incorporated products, and also the full catalog of ParWest Turf Services. Again, visit swturfsupport.com. Find out who your local rep is, give them a call, have them come out visit your golf course, and why don't you build a good relationship with these guys because they're really helping us out here with this podcast and bringing it to you. Later. Stay pissed, everybody. And we hit record and watch it all go, and that's it. Sick episode, boys. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so watch what happens. Hey, everybody! Welcome to episode number eighty-five of From the Jingweeds. We are sitting in Tahoe, Truckee, Tahoe, Truckee, Tahoe. Same thing. Same thing. At uh, Stutzman's Winter Turf Seminar or Summit. Seminar. Yeah, it used to be a symposium. Now I would consider it to be a uh, seminar. Nice. And uh, this is pretty much put on by Simplot Partners, right? Correct. So this is put on by Simplot Turf and Horticulture for most of the Reno Tahoe crowd. Um, we get a little bit of the Monterey crowd, little get a little bit of the Bay Area crowd. We rent a pretty, you know, impressive house here in, in Truckee and uh, get 30 people deep to kind of listen to educational stuff through Simplot people, through Syngenta, Bayer. BASF, all of them are here. Jeff Jensen from GCSAA is, was going to be here, but um, it's going to have to do it virtually. But yeah, for the most part, we try to get everybody together and and uh, guys that want to spend the night can spend the night, hang out, enjoy the house, and it's pretty much an all day affair. And uh, it's been going on for oh man, I think this is the sixth year. Yeah, it's 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 like the sixth year, I think, or seventh year. So even when I was back in Arizona, I was still coming up here to do this. This is typical. You get how many? Twelve dudes to stay here. Eight. I'd say eight to twelve stay. Tomorrow's seminar will have thirty, thirty-five. Thirty to thirty-five. Stuck in the house. Um, We have Spencer Nelson. Spencer, welcome to the show. That you should, Dan. You have a run for your money as maybe the biggest superintendent I've (laughs) actually sat next to. Uh, Spencer's a hoss. Spencer, give us a little, where are you at? What are you doing? Where do you work? Uh, yeah, so I'm at uh, Genoa Lakes Golf Club and the Ranch Golf Course down in Genoa, Nevada, about, I don't know, 15 minutes south of Carson City, 45 minutes south of Reno. Been in Reno for seven years. I was at Montro for uh, most of that, and yeah, kind of... You were kind of the what, new assi- superintendent. assistant there, and you're, this is your first superintendent gig, 36 holes? Yep. Ooh, welcome to the show, son. Get after <laughs> yeah. it, right? Here, here's his baby, ride it. 
Yep. It's just like everything else, only just a couple more of them. Absolutely. Um, and then we also have <laughs> the most wild name I've ever heard of a superintendent in my life, King Douglas Wayman. Welcome to the Jingweeds. That I was, hey, King, what's your first name? King. <laughs> King King's your first name. <laughs> I mean, what you do? Did you come over here on the Mayflower yourself? <laughs> or, <laughs> I mean, for Christ's sakes. Welcome to the show. Give us a little, where are you at? Yeah, no, I'm at, uh, I'm up in Santa Rosa, Valley of the Moon Club, another 36-hole property, just like Spence, and uh, cut my teeth down in the Monterey area, and newly up to the to the Santa Rosa area, and just wrapping my head around my 36 holes that I got now. Nice, nice. I have weird questions to ask you guys, and I'm not even sure even how to ask you, because I barely just met you like two minutes ago. Uh, we've got whiskey, we've got beer, we can do beer reviews. Uh, no, seriously. Um, how long have you been up that area off of Monterey? So you are on Pebble? No, I was down in, uh, started at Pacific Grove, went out to Pasadena. So poor man's Pebble. Poor man's Pebble, as they call it. Uh, spent a lot of time there. I was there for about 10 years and, uh, was an assistant there. Took my first superintendent's job out of Pasadena. And uh, from there, just kind of migrated north. Is uh, Pacific Grove where Kurt Vogel was? It is. <laughs> and it was. Yes, sir. Kurt Vogel now works at Dan's Club at Rio Verde. Kurt Vogel was my head pro at Desert Canyon when he left after Pacific Grove. Um, and he was at the Raven when he left Pacific Grove, went to the Raven. I met him there when he worked with under eddie well eddie was the superintendent who's at moffett field holy shit kurt vogel has made Small a fucking world. round on the jingweeds mm -hmm. he's never been on the jingweeds i don't think he's ever listened to the jingweeds yeah he Welcome should though show, he kurt should vogel. yeah he he's a man well traveled mm -hmm. east coast west coast and everywhere in between and uh a good man that's crazy that's small world i guess eh um tonight is the night before our seminar seminar um, Spencer's on, we've got a cook, like a crazy chef. Um, and I know there's a lot of dudes out there like screwing around with smoke and shit, running their Traeger, easiest grill in the world. To run. Absolutely. Yeah, I smoke meats. Right. You got a That's Traeger. me. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> just Google it and it just turns out good. Correct. Um, what are we cooking tonight? Cause you have, you've put in some work already. Been here a night preparing yeah. for all of this. You're going to feed 30 of us or whatever. What are we cooking? What's on the menu? All right. So uh, we're going to kick things off in the morning with some homemade cinnamon rolls. Uh, kind of the, the main event for dinner tomorrow, we've got some prime rib. Got uh, about 48 pounds of prime rib. We're cooking sous vide style. So that's uh, that's in the water churning right now. Nice. So sous vide style, you have a handful of coolers up there, big old Yetis or those Arctic deals yep um what are they 70 something yeah yeah 52 i don't know liters or quarts or Big you know glasses right? whatever they measure them just, in. out of the tap comes the water do yep. you know what that temperature is right now have you checked it uh it was coming out of the tap at like 117 degrees um i got the machine set to 134 135 so there's a little heater that hangs in there or something? yeah yeah so there's a the little machine hangs in there circulates the water and just regulates the temperature, keeps it 
actually within a tenth of a degree. I kind of washed it the first time I did this, and it's it's dead on. And it's gonna cook for at like 134 degrees uh, for 16 hours. Yeah, yeah, 16, <laughs> 17 hours. And then when it comes off of there, I see these other apparatuses up there. I've seen them in the back of plumbers' trucks. I've never seen them like we're going to fucking cook meat on it, blow torches. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I I mean, there's a lot of different things you could do. Once you take it out, um, I'll probably shock it in like a, an ice water bath just to stop it from cooking. Uh, throw some more rub, a little butter on the outside, whatever and I'm feeling so like. So inside these bags being sous vide, they're just straight. There's nothing in there? No, no. They've, you, they've all got a rub on them already. you did yourself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Come well, on. Uh, We're not buying something off the shelf. <laughs> what are you thinking? Just making sure that tomorrow at Stutzman's Winter Turf Seminar, I'll be eating well. Um, any secrets on that? Yeah. Like... <laughs> well, if I tell the whole world, they're not going to be secrets, are they? No, but do you stick to certain spices for certain meats? Um, is this this prime rib? Is this a go-to, or was it a order placed by Stutzman? Is this is what I want to eat? Like, well, let's you- let's take it back. So I'll tell you that. So when we did it last time, two years ago, at the same place. We got here and we kind of looked at it and then we kind of ad libbed and was like, what does the kitchen have? What can we do? And so we were kind of like, okay, so we got Did you take cr- into consideration we're sitting around a poker table looking at a foosball table next to a pool table next to an Adams family p- pinball machine next to a what are you guys shuffleboard? Shuffleboard and ne- around the corner is a ping pong table all within 27 feet. I think it's more like 26, but. <laughs> But that's, I mean, 134 degrees or 135 <laughs> degrees. That's, that's what we're talking. Yeah. I mean, so sweet, when we... Sweet spot, uh, jacuzzi. Hopefully we're rubbing bellies later, <laughs> laying in that thing. There's bear mats. What the fuck is a bear mat? So basically you turn that on at night so that no bears try to get in for so any So it's kind of like reason. an electrical... F- Absolutely. Like they step on that little yeah, they door go mat. Tingle. No more. And they say no more. No mops. That's crazy. All right. So. So we came here and we went pulled pork and ribs. And we did ribs in the oven and finished them off on a grill outside that's kind of gas grill. Because we are in California. We are in Truckee. And we can't have open flame here. No charcoal. No none of that. You can't light a candle. You can't light a candle. Exactly. So we did that. And it came out good. But. We wanted to take it up a notch. So Spencer actually owns a smoker that is a trailer smoker type deal. And we actually called the North Star Fire Department to see if we can bring it. And they were like, yeah, we don't think that's a good idea. It's like, okay, there's snow everywhere. Doubt we're going to start a fire with the smoker, but it technically is real wood. It's not Traeger. It's real wood, but they're just everybody here. California is a little, you know. A little, and I'll hey, just listen, leave it at that. We'll just leave it's it at a that. little whatever, but a kid that it sits on the outside of Arizona and watches this place pretty much burn to the ground every fucking year, I kind of understand why yeah, they say you no, shouldn't sure. be lighting candles. I right. wouldn't let these idiots light candles. So we, so we talked, and we were idiots. like, what do we want to do? And he said, why don't we do a prime rib? And I said, if you want to cook it, we'll do it. And so we bought the sous vide machines. We figured that would be the easiest way because it kind of does the cooking for you while we're sleeping in a way. You know, we got to check it, but 
kind of went that route, and then it's not going to catch on fire. Hopefully not. Kind of like putting know. a hair dryer in the tub. Right. What I <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That's that exactly what, I just what it saw. is. And as a child, we weren't supposed to do no, that. No, no. But uh, no, it, it'll be good. I mean, I got a taste test last week of it on a trial run, and it was phenomenal. So it's good. And I think Spencer's barbecue skills are great. But I'm not going to lie, his baking skills probably take the cake literally yeah, better than that. Yeah, he legitimately already had a cake going when we rolled in here. There's a cake made, homemade. Two yeah. of them. Make that yeah. two. So we got two uh, chocolate peanut butter cakes, which started out a year and two years ago mm-hmm, for years Mark's ago. birthday. I just found this chocolate peanut butter Reese's cake recipe, and it's... Uh, Is the frosting homemade? Oh, it's all homemade. Come on. <laughs> it's, I'm telling you. Nothing, none of this is coming out of a jar. I know, but still, it's it's extremely impressive. Well, extremely. Thank you. And you find, you can see that, it, like, to most people that I know, it's like, oh, I got to cook. Or, oh, like, I don't mind cooking, like, the burgers, but I'm not taking care of what's inside. That's me. Yeah. Like, honey, I'll work the Traeger, basically sit outside and watch football while the thing does its thing. You can cook whatever is going on inside. You legitimately have this passion for being in there. Why no cook in your lifestyle? You know, it is actually something I I thought of pursuing before I I went down the turf grass road, and you know I pretty much did everything except sign the paperwork that I was going to go to culinary school, and it just was a uh, a realization that the the lifestyle was going to suck. I'm a morning person. I'm going to be up at, you know, 4.30 regardless of what's going on. And I'm, You just uh, didn't want to work till midnight. Yeah, I'm not going to work till midnight. Yeah. Um, what is your schedule out here? As, you know, we talk a lot on our podcast about how us in Arizona are 365 balls to the wall. What's it like up here? Like your seasons and then what do you do off-season-wise? What's your crew go-to size-wise? Give me the rundown of that compared to what I. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of variation throughout this area just because there's so many microclimates. So like the valley floor of like Reno, Carson City, where I'm at right now, you could be 365 days a year golf, where if you yeah. come up, you know, 500 feet in elevation, they're going to be shut down November to April. Okay. So there's, there's a lot of variation there. But where I'm at now, 36 holes – I'd like to have 10 people on each course. Obviously I'm in the same boat as everyone else and you can't hire them. Right. Yeah. Um, and that'd be through the summer. And then I kind of tune it down a bit in the winter to th- about three people on each course. Okay. And what are you doing then? A lot of tree work stuff. Are you uh, uh, kind of letting the golf course do its thing and you guys are inside refurb? Like what's your, ma- yes. your machine? Like we get new machines kind of. That must be nice. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, seven years it's like okay that thing's fucking old you know in our i think seven years is the newest piece he's got oh yeah i don't have anything that new but the hours are totally different ours run right yeah you're going 300 days a year right yeah so do you strip these fuckers down and redo them or do you just kind of piece it together as need be yeah it's pretty much piece it together and you know order more bailing wire when you run out Yep. Okay. So that doesn't change. And what's your situation? Pretty much the same situation. Uh, I'm working for a management company, so I don't have a private owner like Spencer does. But uh, 
the new management company came in about a year and a half ago and everything was shit. Uh, it was Oakmont country club. Nickname was Brokemont for oh. a good reason. Uh, so we've got a small contingent of leased equipment now because of the fact that, uh, the management company that's in there now, which is Corsco, has agreed to do certain things and uh, holding up their end of the bargain is spending some money on equipment so we can actually get shit done, which wasn't getting done before. And so we're kind of working our way up with some equipment. And of course, with the pandemic, everything's on hold. So I've got a shit ton of equipment ordered, approved by the company, but I can't get it. Yeah. And so it's going back to the, okay. Let's order more bailing wire and let's order more of this and order more of that. And it's just every day is, okay, what's going to work and what's not. It, it's sad that it's the exact same story that we've been talking about on this with whoever we talk to. And I'm sure it's that way if you were in the restaurant industry or, you know, if you were a mechanic like Jiffy Lube can't even fucking – change your wipers because there's no fucking wipers i think the difference up here at least in the reno tahoe area is that we get a little bit of the ski crowd that kind of does the ski bum thing you you don't necessarily get them in the maintenance staff but you see them at the golf course they might be cart kids or they might be cooks or they might be something else but we get a fair amount of that transfer over um with the way you know the unemployment was lately you see a lot of those ski bumps just staying on unemployment until their season starts back up However, I think as a whole throughout the area, you get a lot of guys that are lift, at least in our area, lift ops and then greenskeepers or lift ops and then I'll mow a little bit or lift ops and I'll be a cart kid. And you see that a lot. And those are just straight ski bums. They look like dirty hippies. They're, you know, they're literally just that there. Harsh. That was true. <laughs> I mean. What do you say about me? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. No, no, I, I will agree with Mark. That was. I mean, up until this year, I was I did the part-time ski instructor thing on the weekends at the Mount Rose right up the hill above the course I used to work at. And, what, six years ago, I started just bringing guys that I'd meet. Hey, you want a summer job? Because they're, they've kind of got the same mentality. They want to work outside. They like the outdoors. They want, you know, they, they like getting off work at 2.30. They can go do whatever it is they want to do. Yeah. So that was one of the best things i think i ever did as far as getting employees because they were they liked working outside they're used to labor and it just kind of worked out with the seasonality you know right. i'd get done with them and they'd go back to the mountain the mountain would be done with them they'd come back to me and it worked out great yeah we have no kind of source like that that is yeah. just this constant even the high school kids none they don't seem to want to be around doing anything no. outside I know there are courses in Arizona that have gotten pretty good with, you know, a few high school kids, but around me, no. We asked the golf team years ago, hey, you guys want to get on this, you know, and you can play golf, work on golf, you know, no, learn about the whole. No. I don't know. It's fucked up. Well, and I said that on the last time I was on the pod that my kid was working. My kid was actually working for Spencer as a driving range and par three divot kid at Montro. So that was his first job. And it was just more to get, you know, be able to play golf in a really elite club, be able to practice. I mean, the practice mm -hmm. facility, there was, you know, 
top notch and he was you know trying to play golf and be in you know golf teams and things like that so it was like perfect and now he's working at the local place down the street from us breaking bunkers cutting cups and rolling greens at 15 so when do you tell him it's time for you to go find something else to do this doesn't work um no it, no, I mean it's up to it's up to him. I mean, it's up Run to him. Run while you can. Hey, no, oh, I told him. I told him. Yeah, I told him this is probably not the place you want to be for a career. By bullshit, sure, but. bullshit. We'll start this. What would you be doing right now, King, if you didn't do this? Uh, I'd still be in the old business that I had. I, I got a stripper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark has Mark has his vices, but we, we, we won't go there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, just no, I, I'd, I'd, just I'd still be in marine ecology. I mean, before I got into the golf business, I was out on a boat doing side scan sonar, surveying the bottom of the ocean floor. Uh, I didn't want to be away from my family, and I got a part-time job as a greenskeeper at Pacific Grove, and I fell in love with it. I used to golf there. It was the only affordable place to golf, yeah. and I used to golf there, and the superintendent was looking for someone to mow roughs part-time and, and do that, and... I started and fell in love with it and said, shit, well, I got a new career yeah. and went and got a turf degree instead. It's crazy. I, I know what you would do. Um, I don't know what I would do. Spencer would be a cook. No. No chance. <laughs> no. No, I probably would have wound up. So I grew up in western Iowa on a cattle yeah. farm. In, so. I think, Dan's dad's town. Yeah, that they Dennis in Iowa. Yeah, Dennis in yeah. Iowa. I'm, yeah. I'm, the mullet that Spencer's rocking right now, I don't know. That – that could parlay <laughs> to a lot of different that's, things. Yeah, that screams Minnesota, though. Yeah. It's that blonde locks, big hoss, you know, just a big old Midwesterner. <laughs> <laughs> Love that place. Well, I know what you'd be doing, or at least I think I would. You'd be showing cattle and selling cattle. Am I right? Yeah. You no, know, pr- I probably would have gone back to the farm thing and, yeah, been raising cattle. Is that what you did growing up, yeah. like your family did? Yep. Yeah, so we were hauling all over the country, Denver, Fort Worth, Houston, Louisville, Kansas City, showing cattle. It's awesome. Yeah. Wow. I have no idea what that's even remotely like. I tried to understand it. I got a chance to play with his dad uh, the week of first week of, or last week of September. I, I mean, September, December. And I still, to this day, after hearing them both tell me, I still don't know what the hell it is. <laughs> like, I have no clue. Like, did you kill the cattle? Did you eat it? Did you yeah. show it? Like, or is this like show pigs? Is this like show horses? But it's cat. Like, it makes no sense to me. But that's just me being on the and West you, Coast. It's my just life. the prize, right? You're selling the bull? Is well, we're selling. Really, the whole marketing the scheme, I guess, was to be able to sell calves and sell cows. But we're going to all these shows and sh- trying to win. So, th- it, I mean, it was just marketing, really, is all the shows are. Hey, look how good our shit is compared to your fucking crap. Right. And it's all based on the meat to no. be sold or? No. No. It's it's all, all milk. No. 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 This is where it gets confusing. <laughs> what are you doing with it? <laughs> no, right. I, no. I did this for a it week. It was I all know. about looks, right? It's, uh, it's, it's a dog show. It's yeah. For cows, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, sexy cows. cows. Sexy cows. Yeah. And, and we'd spend hours getting them ready for a class to go show. What them. does that entail? Oh man, brush, getting... shower, brush, nails. Yeah. Hooves, so bathe, massage, shampoo, 
these industrial blowers that blow all the water out of their hair. And I mean, every day, all summer long, we had refrigerated barns that we would put them in with fans, air conditioning, at just trying to get their hair to grow longer. So then we'd get to these shows, we got their hair all, you know, combed out. And then all the leg hair, you got to kind of glue it out, I guess. Your face right now, <laughs> yeah. Matt. It's the best face. Like, what the hell is this? this is Hopefully the, Dan hears this no, and this knows is, exactly no, what we're talking this, about, right? No, he has no idea about this. <laughs> no. I know him. He just, well, his parents live there now. It's right. just not, that's not where he grew up. Right. This is unbelievable to me. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that is you, there you just cannot. Money? Is there insane money involved in it? If it's good at it, obviously you wouldn't be putting up barns with fucking air conditioning and <laughs> blowout machines if there wasn't a ton of money in this. Um, I would say there is opportunity to make money, but most people are doing it because of it's a hobby, it's fun, it's camaraderie, whatever, you know. So like the turf industry. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, You're not yeah, you want to work of, hard and make whole no bunch money? Of sausages measuring their dicks all over the place. <laughs> yeah. That's right. My grass is mowed at 135. My grass is mowed at 133. My grass is mowed at 065. Yeah. Uh, you don't have any grass. No. So stop no. measuring. But it's fast because dirt yeah, rolls exactly. yep. good. Dead grass is fast grass. Yep. <laughs> I played a golf course recently that was just like, Mm, there's a couple areas here that like number this green and this green are so much faster than the others yeah because they're because they're dead yeah they were and it's all based off this particular one traffic mm-hmm. the boom of golf in that area and the amount of people that go on it it is it's so beat from traffic so what would you be doing if you weren't doing this <laughs> i would raise the prices but they're held to price oh what would i be doing correct i went to school to be a gym teacher okay <laughs> could you imagine that imagine yeah your kid comes i actually home can and like is... hey we just played no pads you know hockey full slashing allowed and you could scream and yell at each other <laughs> in class say, what? Yeah. mr guilfoyle yeah. said it was okay yeah, he said it was totally cool yeah so, um, so i got a little i got a little uh taster over dinner of his mentor which one phil your mentor who was the what three time PE teacher of America oh, or yeah. something. Well, the guy that taught indulge us, us in that. Yeah, the guy that taught um, my first student teaching class, which made me decide that PE was not the way I was going to go. Um, he was the I think three years, three out of five years, he had won PE teacher of the year in the country. And so we, and it's right next to our. School, my college, the college I'm going to is big into PEs, and they have got this guy that works at the elementary school right next door. Perfect. We're going to go learn from the best. We wheel in there. It's a third-grade class. So what's that, like eight-year-olds? Um, we're playing basketball. So we've got a couple of us student teachers. We're sitting along the wall, and it was, hey, how many? Ba- we've got 28 students. How many basketballs do you need? And you're like, all right, there's fucking 22 games can go on. Um, and the other kids can shoot around. I don't know, give me seven balls. One for each game, and the other ones can, are over there shooting on the other hoop. Right. Right? No, we need 32. 32? There's 28 kids. Yeah, they all need a ball, and if one gets, like, a couple of them lose their ball, they don't have to go as far to get a ball. 
I was like, no way. <laughs> no way. This is 94. No, sorry. Yeah, 95. Nin- wow. 1995, this is how we're teaching these kids. I was like, no, nope, not for me. Not for the pussification of America. I'm not, I'm not involved in it. <laughs> so got out of that. The whole time was landscaping and uh, kept going back to that in the summer and then got in and then kept going with school and moved out here, worked in vitamin stores, personal training. And uh, that was a, it was just no bueno. And I looked out the door every day like, I need to be working outside. But the whole time I had no turf certificate. So I went to Mundus Institute, in, uh, which I made it to the GCM magazine. My own little article is in there about going to a small school. Nice. Uh, Peter Felica went there, uh, was in it as well. And uh, yeah, just ended up with my turf certificate. Got a job at Western Skies for two months and then got to Highlands. And that was. That was the end of that. That was like, all right, I can do this for a job. Get to hang out out here doing this. And we bitch and we complain a lot about all the little shit. What we do is a pretty fucking cool job. Yeah, you absolutely. Just hang out. Like when you break it down, you're fucking hanging out. Our brains make us do all the work, but that's part of us hanging out. You know, who else goes to work and just hangs out? No, for sure. Not for you. Sure. You drive a fucking I drive a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the truck a lot. A lot. We were My rolling. counterpart's in the truck probably just as much as I am as we well. We were rolling down here, and that thing was bouncing along. And you got a big old fucking rig, mm-hmm. and it's just dribbling down the highway. I don't and know if you and, noticed, too. You could totally tell when you go from Nevada to California to feel the rumble. Like, it's nice and smooth from the casino asphalt, and then all of a sudden when it gets to the California state tax asphalt, it's a little different. Starts yeah, you guys a little bit have more. The fat grooves in the mountain on the slow lane. Yeah, like big old deep ones oh, on the yeah. highway. That yeah. I was like, this is. So what do you do? Just lock in and follow it. Well, that's like a the. Luge. Are you trying to go to sleep? Watch out because you're going to wake up real quick. Plus yeah. the truckers mainly. You know they're just doing it for them. It's kind of the gateway from basically the ports on the Bay Area side all the way through Utah and through the middle of the country. They all go through that. I eighty corridor basically. It's a it's a beautiful area once you get into the hills. Absolutely. This is my I guess second time here. Once I wrote I came up here, did the bike ride for leukemia and lymphoma around Lake Tahoe and then left the next day. It was in and out. And the whole time you're riding around the lake, it's a hundred miles, but the whole time you're just looking at the fucking lake the whole time, like this is badass. Yeah, Didn't no. pay attention to Coming in, coming out. Reno seems like a beautiful town. No, I. I <laughs> yeah, no. There, there's some good parts of Reno. Bullshit. No, no, Bullshit. don't, don't. Shit. Don't hate on it completely. There's some good parts, but there is. It's probably one of the only places that you can literally door to door get legal weed, a blowjob, a hooker, um, some other stuff. Not. I don't know this from experience. Just let you know. I'm just saying you can see it on the sign. <laughs> Right, and then go to the casino with a fifth of booze, and hang out. So the massage parlor is right next to the karate shop. That's usually yeah. the sign that that's the special massage parlor. If there's karate or taekwondo next door, um, but yeah, there's quite a few of those in Reno. Again, not not personal experience. Not personal experience at <laughs> no, all. No, it seems like it's right there in front of your face as you're driving down the yeah, road oh yeah. and look yeah. at any yeah. strip mall. It's like 
No, that is legitimately what is there. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but you go to like Spencer's area down in Genoa, that's just gorgeous with the mountain coming off the backside of, of like South Lake, those mountain ranges coming off and then kind of the valley there. I think Gardnerville, Genoa is probably one of the prettier places in Nevada. You go, you know, Truckee's, you know, the lake's 30 minutes from Reno. And we all come to Reno so we can save on state tax so we don't have to pay the California state tax. That's 90% of the people the closest to that yeah. spot without no state income tax. Having to pay the income. That's what, you know, 90%. My parents moved to Verdi in 2003 because they were tired of, you know. I saw your dad ride a fucking unicycle today. That was impressive. <laughs> I'm going to give Pop some credit. So so the, the story behind that is that my dad was forced to ride a motorcycle, a motorcycle, a unicycle when he was a kid. Which my he grandfather does, he does have a motorcycle with the license plate piggy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's little piggy. <laughs> Miss piggy. Yeah. My dad's had some interesting license plate. That might be a that's another story, but it's pretty funny. He had a license plate on his car once. It said M-M-M-T-N-A. Mm, tuna. And for and it was for like a cat reference, and everybody thought it was a different reference. So he'd roll around in this Subaru station wagon that said, mm, tuna. And my mom and I were like, you got to get that off because you look like a creep when you roll into the places. Oh, Jesus. Um, did the vehicle have windows? It did. It did. It was, a, But it was a gray Subaru station wagon. It definitely did not look like you know a clean vehicle. We'll leave it at that. It was a beater. But the unicycle story was that my grandfather made my dad buy or ride a unicycle when he was a kid. It was like part of their deal. The three kids are like, we need to ride this unicycle. You need to figure out how to do this. And they just practice and practice and practice. And then I remember it when I was a kid. I remember my brother doing it. But my dad started talking about it this last year, like September. Like, oh, I've seen them on Craigslist. They're like 20 bucks. I'm like, yeah, well, we'll just buy one for Christmas. So my wife and I were like, let's get one on Amazon. You know, get a new one. Don't need to get somebody else's hand-me-down nasty from under seat yeah right and we'll just get him a new one and within i don't know a week and a half he's out on the street riding the unicycle at 70 years old and i'm like dude you're gonna hurt yourself and he's like oh i've turfed it a couple times oh, he and- said he ate shit yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he said he ate shit but he yesterday. didn't have he any scars his- on his face no, so i was said- pretty no, impressed yeah but he said his knees got a fucking good one <laughs> yeah, he said his knees all fucked up no for sure but he buzzed around yeah He's like already looking to do the old tricks. Oh, dude, yeah. that's the funny thing. It's yeah. like I haven't ridden one of these fucking things in forty years, and I'm gonna, I'm working on stalling. Right, idling, idling, idling. So he's looking to do tricks already. Right, that's fucking yeah, that was blast. good. Fuck, if what's I your could, beer? I, I hope to bend over and straight legged tie my shoes at seventy. <laughs> so this beer is the Monotucky Cold Snack. This beer review is brought to you by Custom Turf Applications. Custom Turf Applications is the only company you need for fast, accurate applications of granular fertilizers, soil amendments, or throwing your seed out there during overseed. Well, now he wants to announce that he just got himself a GPS dual fan spray unit specifically configured to spray turf paints. With that GPS uh, unit, and he also has GPS individual nozzle control, so that means you're not going to have any skips, overlaps, or streaks on your golf course when you're laying these things down. He services the Palm Desert area, Vegas area, Tucson, and of course the Phoenix Valley. If you need any help with it, spreading every, any of your granular applications, or if you want to try them out and get them out there spraying some of these turf paints so you don't have to deal with the mess and 
running sp- paint through your spray rigs. I know some of you guys are a little nervous with that. Why don't you email Jason at jbarber at customturfapps.com and you can find all details on the pricing and scheduling. Also, it's not too early to get your dates for overseas because, man, those things book up fast. Already locked me in for third week of September because we go early. Again, if you need any help with that, why don't you email Jason at jbarber at customturfapps.com. Um, you guys called this. What do you say about this? This is the heavy Coors Light. It's Coors Light with bite is what I call it. Coors got- Light with bite. Yeah. It's great. Would you uh, agree with that? No, that's I fair. I mean, they're... We just call them snacks. Right. The, you know? Right. They are snacks. Uh, this yeah. made right here in this area, Truckee? No. No. Where's no. it made, Spence? Uh, I can't even remember. I don't know. You got the can. Oh, Montana beer. Yeah. Let's see. Unofficial, the official unofficial beer of Montana. The official unofficial. This is a birdie beer. Really? Oh, yeah. This is a birdie beer. That is eight, definitely eight, one of my go-tos. Eight percent goes back to local causes. We don't know what those local causes are, so they're giving back a little bit of money. It's a lager, great can. I'm usually not a fan of lagers. This is a birdie beer. I had said, or you asked me earlier, what was the best one that we've had? Well, we went to what four different stores on the way in. Three, saw three. three. Whole Foods, Whole Foods Junior. Right. And then Whole Foods. <laughs> Trucky Whole Foods. <laughs> Whole Foods. What Whole was that place called? Uh, Rayleigh's. Yeah, Rayleigh's. But it was Rayleigh's Fresh Market where they didn't have any soda. You they didn't have any energy drink. They had plenty of kombucha. They shitload had of beer. Of, yeah. Yeah. Shitload of beer. And a lot of veggies. A lot of veggies. It was crazy. So, um, but no, we go to those a lot in the golf course. These are great beers. We That's yeah. a perfect golf course beer for us it's like perfect to have a six pack of that in the in the cart and go take it out i don't know what the alcohol level is of it 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 seems light but you have that lager taste that you know it's got to be freaking five or five seven i don't know we'll determine that later and i am drinking the one you picked up which is the pigeon head pilsner (laughs) And, um, pigeon head. This is a 4.9% 28 IBU. I, I, I don't like it as much as the Montucky. I definitely think it's a par. I don't think I'll have another, but I definitely will finish this. You don't one. want another par then? I think your, no, your see, system yeah. is off. Yeah. No, I, no, I, no, I had it earlier. I agree with the parness. Um, but if somebody I handed totally me this understand. beer, I'm not going to say, take it away. I'm not going to drink it. But I don't think I'll ask for another. How's that? Where I'll take another one of those, and I'm definitely, I've said it on the pod before, I'm not an IPA fan, which King is like an IPA guru. He knows it better than anybody. And I'm just not a, I'm more of a lager fan, and it's, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. But I don't think it's a bogey. I'm not going to spit it out or not finish it. It's good beer. So. What do you got? King, what are you King. drinking? You've got... Uh, they got the knee King's deep got, right now. He's got knee deep, Coors Light, and then whiskey. <laughs> and a Copenhagen. And, and a Copenhagen <laughs> chew and a cell phone and a microphone. I mean, yeah. The Coors Light is a spit can because no. if I wanted to get hydrated, I'd be drinking that. Uh, so that's just a spit can. But uh, no, I'm I looked at these Tahoe deep and you yelled at me and said, I got those at the house. Yeah, I, I haven't had those. one yet. 
Yeah, no, they're all right. I, I'd go par again. Uh, I'm kind of like Mark said. Uh, Snob. No, well, well schooled in my IPAs. Snob. What's the go-to IPA? Torpedo, Sierra Nevada, all day long. Really? Yep. Good beer, but too heavy. No, I think there's a million. It, it is heavy. I'll give it that. But I would. I'd pick a million more. I I would go more local for me. Right, for and so Arizona. so that's kind of my local. I grew up in Redding. Okay, up north, then, it's close to California or close to uh, Chico. Where then I uh, respect that pick way more now. Yeah, it's the first. And so I grew up on pale ales. You know, in high school it was always Sierra Nevada pale ale. You know, before there was any of this other bullshit. Right, it was always the pale ale from Sierra Nevada. Mm. That was my thing. Uh, not knowing any better, you know, thinking, oh God, this, this is gross. I, I, where's the Budweiser? Where's the Coors Light? Where's the whatever? Uh, and then, you know, when I got older a little bit, I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And then for whatever reason, the, the, the torpedo hit me and it just, the hoppier, the better, more okay. I've used, the better, all that stuff. Um, and that's why for me, this isn't super hot forward. I, the more hot forward, the better. Okay. I'll take a triple IPA oh, at God. eight to ten ounces and sip on that before I'll take, you know, something else. If you ever so, come to Arizona, you got to go to Four Peaks and drink the uh, the Raj IPA. Very, it's bitter, boozy. I mean, it'll turn your head inside out after. What three was that? Of them. What was that one I got you where you told me it was just absolutely disgusting? It was like before we went on the trip. It was like a peanut butter stout. Oh. Jesus. Oh, oh so yeah. shout, shout out to my boy Danny down in Monterey. The peanut butter stout from Belching Beaver. Yep. It uh, has people, been reviewed on this podcast. Okay, so people either love it or they hate it. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not a uh uh peanut butter, any of that bullshit. Don't give me any of those other flavors, just give me hops. Uh, but those who like that stuff, apparently that's good. So, hey, <laughs> more than very <laughs> for them because I'm not buying it. Yeah. Um, I forget. I know I was not a fan of it, that peanut butter thing. But you know what is really good is uh, pizza ports, bacon and eggs, coffee imperial uh, porter. Really good for one of those heavy, like, add whatever flavor. I don't know. Peanut butter is tough to add to fucking beer. Real tough. Coffee is too. Yeah, coffee is too. And I I don't do the porters. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. Uh, a milk stout if I'm in the mood. One and done though. What about Guinness? Shit, it's been years since I've had a Guinness. Oh, so I, I you know I got on a little kick shit. when I was in college with a little uh uh. The Guinness and Bass combo. What the fuck are they call those now? Uh, black, black and, and tans. Black and tans. You know, I thought I'd get fancy the black and tans, but why bother when there's all this other good stuff out there now? I'm I'm not gonna waste my time with that. I was borderline thinking about going to one of the Reno liquor stores before this and getting a bottle of like Mad Dog 2020. Oh, and like Lord. some other stuff just to try that and go back to that. Mad Dog some... does have beer again, or they have like this seltzer drink. Really? Yeah, Mad Dog just came out. Everyone's getting on the seltzer wagon now. Shoot, I, I don't know. Mad Dog 2020 brings me back to when I was in the Marine Corps. We, when I was on the East Coast going to school, Banana Shit. Red. We did a we we had a 48, which was four days off on a vacation, and we went down south from 
North Carolina down to Florida. And I was the only guy that wasn't underage. So it was all Mad Dog 2020. And that'll, that'll put some hair in your chest. Mm-hmm. Give you a headache. Yeah, well, that too. What are you drinking other than now it looks like ice? Yeah, we're down to pretty much just ice at this point. But this was uh, Angel's Envy to start with. Let me ask you this. You're a podcast listener and listening to Jordan's podcast on all that stuff that he reviewed. Did you notice or recognize any of that stuff he was talking about? The first, I can't even remember exactly. The The first one he started off, I did not recognize. Remus. What was it? Remus. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that. And then what What did you go to after that? Because that and one I thought I... we had a 12, what was it, a 12 and 18 year mix or blend. That was the I blend. Believe. Because you're, a, you're a, a whiskey fan. You're a bourbon fan. Yeah. I, I used to be a big IPA guy, and I got to, the, I don't know if something inside of my gut or whatever, but I have you two IPAs, up. and I got a headache all of a sudden. So, I don't know. I drink whiskey and feel fine. So <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can find this thing. Where the hell is it? Old Ezra was the one that was real woody cherry. Okay real deep dark taste to it you could yep. tell burn barrel and then another one was the or the other one we never even opened was maker's mark uh 2021 limited release and apparently it's supposed to be legit and you never opened but, it yeah we never opened it because we took down me and jordan anyways took down a monstrous bottle of that fucking remus stuff yeah when we were grocery shopping yesterday, Spence and I, he saw this Angel's Envy, and we had it at Bandon when we were up there. And mm-hmm. he's like, that's a $100 bottle for 50 bucks." I'm like, well, put it in the cart. Let's yeah. go. When did you guys – was that your first trip to Bandon? Uh, that was my second. Um, yeah. Is the most unbelievable golf you've ever played? Oh, hands down. Yeah. Not even close. What's your favorite? You know, it's <sighs> – it's hard to say. The first time I went, and granted, I haven't played uh, trails. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, haven't played trails yet. So the first time I walked away, and Old Mac was my favorite. And I still like Old Mac a lot, but Sheep Ranch definitely grew on me a ton. Yeah. Did you guys play Sheep Ranch this year? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And Sheep Ranch, I kind of agree with um, one of the other uh, superintendents that's here is uh, Josh Lewis. He kind of said it's a little quirky, it's a little dolled up, right? They make it a par 72, yeah. last hole's like 400 and something yards, some short fives, they want to make it to where you get off of it and feel good about yourself, but it's open, there's no bunkers, it's right on the, I mean, you see the ocean from every everywhere, and I mean, I thought it was just cool. Right. You know, when we were there too, the tide was, I don't know what it normally looks like, but particularly when we were on Sheep's Ranch, it seems so far out, so it was so much beach too. So it was like those cliffs, and then so much beach. Interesting. It was weird. I thought I we're really yeah. We, attention. It must have been different because I mean, I'd say there was fifty to seventy-five yards of sand, like from the yeah, bottom okay. of the cliffs. And King gets lucky enough because we do a we do a banding trip. Coney and myself do one every year. Um, we get different vendors to help pop in and we played peak time good weather a couple who, days uh, hold on wait anyone listening down in arizona 
Benders. Okay, go, all right. Go on. Go on. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's a drive for us, right? We don't fly or anything. It's just a nice little, you know, drive. And the first year I brought. What's that take you? About eight. About yeah, eight hours. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. But at, believe it or not, the first little part through Susanville is kind of boring. But then the the actual drive through, I mean, it is actually pretty nice. And you pretty, guys rent somebody to drive you? Or do you guys just pack? Yeah, and his name's you? Mark Stutzman. Yeah, and Spencer Nelson. <laughs> yeah. We usually rent a we usually rent a car though because the truck is just a little rough. We'll rent a suburban or something. And there's everybody's got clubs and everything else. And it's so. for you, right? So we'll do. I did so this last time we did three. Um, no, it was three of Oconee's customers and two of mine. So we try to do basically a 12 some. So there's two or three vendors, myself, Oconee, and then five others. Yeah. And just kind of make it three foursomes. And, um, but the first time we went, King went with us and then just like anything else, we're in the middle of our season. So guys will say, Hey, yeah, we can play and then back out. And so the second time we went, I had somebody back out at the last minute. Me. It might have been you. It was me, like a bonehead. Yeah. If you ever get the chance to go to Bandit on someone else's dime, don't <laughs> don't pass that up. Don't, don't back out. Don't back out. No. And, and King said, I'll be there in an hour. Yeah. And flew up as fast as he could. And when I said we were going to Bandit again and he wasn't invited, he goes, I know I'm always invited. If somebody bows out, I will be there. So he's already got a standing order with his wife that he's going to abandon anytime it comes open right and he, i'm pretty you know, sure i do too and right. she doesn't even know it so right. so i was pretty frustrated this year i didn't get i didn't get the invite uh sorry being <laughs> <laughs> and as the other simplot rep gives me the finger uh i was disappointed because i've played all four courses before the sheep ranch opened and I was super lucky to be able to go up there and do all that and enjoy the experience and feel privileged to do it. But, it, you know, it's, to me, it, it wasn't playing band in so much as going up with these guys. I mean, we're going out to preserve the 13-hole par 3 course, and we're playing as an 8-some or a 12-some. Yeah. yeah. And the camaraderie amongst all these guys. I mean, I'm from the Monterey area. And I'm out here with all these Tahoe guys, and that's why I'm up here now. I know all these guys, you know, and it's everybody that's in the industry understands that's what it's about. And it was just the experience of being around all these guys and playing these phenomenal golf courses that are bucket list for most people. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I get to do it for free. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, and so let's go back to you then. What was your favorite? So did you answer what your favorite was, Sheep? Uh, the bottom I mean, line is the t-shirt he had on earlier, the sweatshirt he's got on right now. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably pick sheep ranch as his favorite. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to kick any of them out of yeah, bed. Right. right. If someone called me up and said, Hey, I got a, an opening at any of the six. Every I'm time there. I talk about it, I think my order changes other yeah. than I would say Pacific is still number one because it was the first one. And I think that's legitimately the only reason why I can pick that. And it's I like, had this conversation with you in the car. And, and I played well. And yeah. it was fucking way nicer than the first day was supposed to be. And the rest of it was supposed to be. The weather was supposed to be tits. But the first day it was, yeah. And it was awesome. And see, for me, I'll go to Old Mac every time. 
and just the way that that look is, the way the design is. I think I could walk Old Mac every day, just like take the dog and just go walk that property right, every right. day. Never play it. Yeah. And I'd be cool with it. Same with trails. I could walk trails mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and never have to play it. The other ones I feel I need to play this every time. Yeah. The other ones I think is just yeah, it's for about me, like it's setting and it's yeah. I don't know the way yeah. it flows. Yeah, the other one it looks more like I want to gr- I want a piece of this. Right. Yeah. And yep. so for me, being out on the on the Monterey Peninsula, I've played all those ocean courses out there. I'm super spoiled with that as well. And not a big deal. Trails was awesome. It wasn't so much on the cliffs mm-hmm. doing all that, but but trails was phenomenal. But and, at the end of the day, I think. Pacific Dunes is my favorite. I played like absolute shit. I played like on shit trails. on old Mac, and it and it hampered my experience. That was the first course I played out of the two years that I went. The first course that I played, we walked old Mac. I played like crap, and I'm going, oh, this sucks, you know. Phenomenal course, but I had a bad experience. But then, you know, the experience out at Trails, that was probably the last course I think I played. I think so. And you know, I don't care if I'm on the ocean or not because I'm I have that spoiled mentality of yeah. I've already done all the courses on the ocean, and that's a pretty special course. And I think we got to finish on Bandon coming as in as the last group as the sun is setting on the horizon, like the, yeah, right. all the picturesque shit. They're just like, You've got to do this. And when that happened, it was like, This is the best, right? And it has yeah. to do with the people that you were there with, the time that you had the, for the three days before right i came home and i said i would pay with my own money and go tomorrow right. and do the whole thing a day again and the whole thing again and spencer is lucky enough um to play this um mike Beatty, who's sitting here listening to the pod as well is lucky enough to play this but we we kind of have abandoned trails here in tahoe we have a course called clear creek which is a core crenshaw property that reminds me so much of trails i know you haven't played trails spencer but i mean it's like you know we we get that course and so not that i take anything away from trails because it's again phenomenal but it's like i you know we play we get that pine through the mountain core crenshaw a lot of fairway run out no rough cool bunkering great greens crazy stuff i mean it's just we get lucky enough to if you have an opportunity to play that you know, a couple times a year, it's, it's unreal, but yeah, I would say old Mac for me, sheep's growing on me as well, playing it twice this year, lucky enough to play it twice this year. And I actually think Bandon's my least favorite. See, I was just going to say like Bandon, none of us has really brought it up. You know, it just sort of is the one that just kind of like, I don't want to say it falls out of your memory, but it, I, I don't know what it is, but when I think about my trips, up there i remember so many of my shots and so many holes on that course probably more vividly than i do the other courses and i don't know why that is it's interesting as you're sitting there saying it i'm thinking the same thing i'm like going through the course in my head yeah and the the finish was awesome and those first three holes are incredible the whole place is yeah you just can't go wrong if you, well, I'm, anybody I'm, ever gets the chance, and I ever hear that anybody said, "Nah," I'm gonna fucking whack you. I'm three under on the first hole at Sheep Ranch in two rounds, so that's my favorite hole. I almost had a deuce this year, really close to a deuce. It's a, 
fucking crazy opening hole. That is. Yeah, it is. And it was, we were in the blowing wind and craziness, and we watched it hit the flag. Oh, we and had stayed. such the, ni- the nicest weather. I think that it was breezy, but it was never blowing or rainy. No, we, yeah. we, we went in the peak time for the trip, and then on the, you know, the side note, Spencer and I went, it was blowing. We definitely got the Scotland weather. Yeah, it was the, when you think of how bad could bend and be in the winter, that's what close. we got. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was blowing. I would be bummed after, like, booking that. But you're thing. not But at bummed. the same time, you're like, hey, this is going to be a great memory. Yeah. I, I played Bandon in the absolute worst conditions because if it was one little bit worse, I would be wrapping it up and going home. Wow. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Yeah. No, it, it was it was great. It was really good. I mean, even in that condition, it was still fun. So we were talking about caddies. What was a caddy's name that's been there forever? Joey Russell. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a legend, I guess. The McKenzie bag, the little logo. Not, I guess they changed their logo a couple of years ago, but the original McKenzie bag logo is actually based on a picture of him on, like, the opening day at Bandon Dunes. Oh, And the guy wow. is like, he's been there forever, day one. He's making more He's money than all of us fella. put together. <laughs> yeah. Carrying bags. Yeah. And talking shit and making one-liners. And and going home at the end of the day and not worrying about that dry spot on the fourth green or whether or not the irrigation's going to run tonight. Yeah. I thought it was cool because he talked shit the whole time. That was that my favorite That sounds like part. a fucking awesome job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be great at talking. Yeah, shit. you remember when you were asking what I was gonna do if I wasn't doing this? There, I changed my. Answer. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go carry bags at Bandon every day and walk around a, Old Mac. I wish I would have gotten into that. We played. Uh, we played Trinity Forest when the Jingweeds went to Dallas this past year, and the caddy that we had, I want to say his name was Cameron. I believe so. Was a double major at Columbia, and he's out caddying <laughs> in 95 degrees and 117 percent humidity it was the fucking grossest weather he's out there caddying for us he's a double major see that's the weather i'd have rather had the you know 20 degrees blowing 50 and raining that we had abandoned than what you're describing there because that um, that's me quitting right there find me I, a cold i beer. legitimately thought i was gonna die on the fourth Oh, yeah, on the fourth tee box. Yeah, that sounds like fun. I was like, I don't think I've ever felt like this. I was completely soaked with, from sweating. And I <laughs> I mean, yeah, we get after it the night before, but nothing like crazy, nothing that you can't wake up and go play golf at fucking 11 o'clock. Right. No, there was the other problem. We went and started at 11 o'clock <laughs> in the middle of Dallas in July or right. in uh, August. So... I thought I was going to die, but then when I opened up the fucking crate or the cooler and there was those Lunchables, <laughs> lifesavers, two Lunchables and a fucking Gatorade, and I was ready to go. It was great, but uh, if you ever get the chance to play that place, that's an unbelievable golf course. <laughs> All zoysia grass. Yeah. Um, it's tight. It's firm as shit. Fast fairly wide open once you know where you're going um that place is pretty awesome you know one of the other things we talked about on the way here that was interesting i thought would be good for the pod is is talking about the fact that 
you know, we were talking about you potentially going back home and how you don't think you could actually do the seasonal thing. No, I don't. I don't think as. And I don't think most of the guys up here would want to do the 365 thing. Yeah, it's I'd, such a weird. You know, they. You know, it, you you brought up a really interesting point where you're like, you know, the the most golf you get down there in Arizona is the time that you have the most relaxed because there's so many people on the golf course. You can't get anything done. Right. It's almost like a mow-and-go every day. Yeah, In our prime of most prime busy golf, it's the most relaxing and easy for us. And then when there's no one there, it's balls to the wall. Whereas you guys, I would say, work it, I don't know, right before you open and then the minute you close, you're you know doing all your cultural shit or do you do a lot of it during season? Like all your verticutting and you intercede fairways, your airifying of your fairways. When does that get done up I'd, here? I'd say typically in in the Reno Tahoe area, it's spring and fall, kind of like before you open the golf yeah. course, and then as soon as you shut it down. Yeah, and there's no golf, or do you do that during play for you? Like when I was at Montreux, we would try to kind of push them off in the spring and say, hey, let us get this aerified and kind of, you know, so then we're not in your way. Right. But in the fall, it was always this game of, you know, uh, we'll shut nine holes down. We'll do this nine or, you know, just get out of our way for seven days and let us hammer this out. Yeah, that's pretty much us. Well, at least for me is I get four days to aerify greens like the big aerification mm-hmm. we're closed for that and this year i hope to get a company contracted that week to airify fairways okay um because we look at it or i look at it as or i think most people should pr- probably try and sell it this way to your membership owners or whoever you're going to answer to is i'm going to contract this shit out because the cost of that is basically the the employee or two that i'm already down that's their salary yeah. Well, I'll hire somebody, bang this place out for twenty grand or thirty grand, still paying less than the guy you're down or the person you're down. So that's the way I hope to do it this year is contract out a little bit more. Let somebody else go and beat their machines up. Well, and I think a lot here is, you know, these guys, Spencer, Mike, and, and to an extent, um, King, they're growing new turf every year. Like, it's starting fresh every year. Right. Every year is like a new deal. There's a golf course, Squaw Creek, up in Squaw Valley. It is the, you know, it's it's a huge resort, gets big-time money, and um, they have, because the Tahoe, Lake Tahoe Water Authority has something on them, they basically cannot use any fertilizer that's not organic. They can't use any chemical to treat anything. So every year, they go through snow mold. Like, the whole golf course is on the ski hill. And it gets compacted. Packed. Yeah. And then snow. Packed. And they don't you put anything on it. So that dude, every year, starts in May. Sometimes doesn't even have the course open till Starts growing in a new golf yep, course. Growing a new golf course. And by the time it's it's ready to go in its tits, it's closing it down. Every single year. And he's got nothing but seed and not even any fertilizer to fertilize. 
because the water authority board out there is, or the or some, I hate to use the word tree hugger, but somebody down there is not allowing anybody to fertilize or do anything, and it has to be approved. And so when he goes through it, it's got to be like a sixty, seventy thousand dollar plan of like getting this approved, and there's no guarantee that they're going to approve it. So he has nothing, and they basically start fresh every year. And so, like, you look at stuff so like that. So is it different than starting fresh like we do every year? And yeah, because you guys, I mean, the difference is is that you have the resources to be able to push what you want to push. Mm-hmm. This guy's got to take nature and see what it is. And if it's in Tahoe and it's cold and the soil temps are low, he's at the mercy. And they're, Squaw Creek's a resort. They're going to play golf whether the grass is brown, green, blue, red, on, cups, no cups, you know. Mrs. Havacamp's going out there to play golf because right, yeah. she's staying at the resort. So he's got to have it open. And those side hill holes, like two and three and four, they're, they'll have snow on them. One year, I remember they had snow till July 4th. <laughs> and they closed at like October 1st. It was like, all right, you got three months to grow this back in. Carts are going in there. He's growing grass with no fertilizer, no nothing, nothing to help it at all. No support, no help. Just try to do it. Oh, it's oh, it's closed. Okay, we're closing. Here comes the snow. Oh, let's do it all over again. I don't know how that dude does it. Whoever has that job now, I don't even know who has it. Yeah, I don't even but. know why that's even a business, right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's obviously the ski mountain. Oh yeah, supports oh, it yeah. all. It's a it's a phenomenal resort, but that's just an entity, right? That's not. That's just part of the deal. Right? What are they going to do this year? They're not going to be able to get the seed that they were getting. Yeah, I don't know. It's it again. It's it's so weird. that that hits here. Oh you know, yeah, and I know it does. I'm it, just well, you guys. What, what you that. what you guys don't realize is you guys win. Yeah, meaning you guys get the seed first. Even the limited supply you have and what you have, Palm Desert, Arizona. Little bit of the lower panhandle of Texas, wherever the Texas overseed is, they all get it first. So the seed why, companies. Why is that? Because there's, they do the most volume. It's a simple supply and demand. So where you're going to buy potentially anywhere from two pallets a year to eight pallets a year, depending on how your season is, you're in the same boat. Mm-hmm. He's guaranteed to buy 20 pallets every year, no matter what. Pretty much. Now, if you listen to the pod, obviously he's gone down and tried Cut to it way down and done that. But here, I mean, we don't even seed at those rates. I mean, I don't. I've never seen anybody seed at ten pounds per thousand up here. Maybe four, five. Inter-seed. I bet we did at Montreal. Well, we there's always get, the wide open, know, right? There's yeah. always somebody that does the yeah. wide open. But yeah, like, do another pass with right. the Lely real <laughs> right. quick. Let's see exactly. how that looks. Right. Exactly. But that's not the intention, I guess, is my point. And, yeah, I mean, you know, up here they do a lot of, you know, we, we, we try to put in, try to incorporate a little bit of blue into the system here in Reno, in Tahoe. It just does better. takes longer to germinate. Yeah. takes longer to establish. But overall, it outcompetes the rye and holds to the, to the uh, disease pressure better. Just it does a be- It's a better grass across the board. So we see a lot of 80, 20, 80 rye, 20 blue. Um, Mike Beatty sitting here. He's got a hundred percent bluegrass golf course. Um, so he's at the mercy of, you know, divots being recovered and doesn't put out any rye and just kind of, you know, puts out blue and he'll have to put some rye out from time to time. But, you know, most of the guys, yeah, we're doing 80, 20, but even 
you know, I mean, seed's just crazy this year, best way to put it. And, yeah, you guys get first right of refusal. And then the seed companies are also growing for Europe. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, Japan. Sure. So there's yeah. all these different things that they've already calculated in play. So if you're the seed company and you're going to get seven trucks, you know, whatever, just throwing out numbers, right? Seven trucks into Arizona, but Sacramento's going to get one, right? And they're only going to need one. They're going to spark. You guys are guaranteed to use it. These guys might be, oh, we got a good winter. We had great moisture. We might not need, you know, seed. Or we had a really dry one. Now we're scrambling. Last year, everybody in this area was scrambling. It was a dry winter. Everybody had desiccation like nobody's business. And it was like, get me seed now. And luckily, there was a little bit around, but it was, you know, it wasn't as bad as now. And what do you guys look at, like, what I see outside right now? Like, you do you look at that as like, oh, yeah, it's normal, or like, I like this snowpack. Uh, I do you even have snow where you're at down in the valley. I had snow, but I've melted most of it off. Just a couple of you know bunkers, low areas. Um, blown out irrigation is blown out, or do you keep that, or is that ready to go? Um, so mine down on the you know valley floor, I didn't blow out. Most of the guys down there don't. But again, you get a few hundred feet up the mountain, and everyone's yeah. blown out. Have you do you how often do you run it? Have you had to yet? Since? I haven't yet. I drained the system. So I'm kind of trying not to. But okay. uh I would say in the next week to two weeks if I don't get some moisture, if, I'm yeah. gonna be and do you charging see it, it up. coming or do you guys consider down on the valley floor is this dry? Because up here got hammered. Right? Yeah, yeah. Ago. So I, fucking I'm hammered. gonna after I say this, I'm gonna pass the mic over to Mike and let him kind of talk because he's he's in a he's in kind of the the area that would be packed but we hope for snow by Christmas sometime before after Thanksgiving before Christmas and hopefully it will stay until March okay so we want that's the goal in the mountains is okay let's try to get it around Christmas we put it on our snow mold app and we want cover we don't want it to break we don't want freezing thaw we don't want gone and come back. We don't want warm and, and, and try to kind of figure it out. We want snow until March and then start to melt off, and then we'll start figuring it out. And um, last year was crazy. They Last year was the worst freeze-thaw we've ever had, and I've had guys that were snow-blowing fairways and couldn't get things to come out. I mean, they had desiccation no matter what. Guys that were doing everything with every resource that they had at their disposal, lost grass no matter what they did. But everybody came out of this year going, what do I do? Literally, I'll, I'll pass the one over to Mike, but we were I was out helping Mike chainsaw ice blocks on his greens. He was using chainsaws to cut ice and literally curl them off the green <laughs> down the thing. So it was pretty wild. Welcome to the Jingweeds, Mike. Thank you. Uh Give yourself a little introduction because we've now just met as Mike. Mike, what is your last name and where do you work? My name is Mike Beatty. I am the superintendent at Grizzly Ranch Golf Club. Grizzly Ranch, what a fucking name. Grizzly Ranch Golf Club. How awesome is your logo? I'm a logo guy. Is the logo awesome? It's pretty solid. It's It's a grizzly bear. It's a grizzly bear. 
Yeah, that's a fucking that's sweet right. ass. It looks a, it's just a, like Spencer. It's a bear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bear. Cousin. It's a bear with a fish, a fish in its mouth. Nice. So you're street. up here in this trucky area. I'm about an uh, hour north of here. Okay, more up into the hills. It's, it's still in the Sierras. It's 5,200 feet, and uh, same same climate. We don't get as much as they do here in Truckee. As far as snow. As snow. But we, we get our share for sure. Um, what's a good year versus a bad year snow for you, growing grass? Well, like Mark said it all. I mean, we want it to come after Thanksgiving, and we want it to stay. We don't want that, you know, yeah. Yeah. thawing I, out. I think that's the big thing is just consistency, one way or the other even, you know. Yeah, I mean, just, you can get, just uh, if, if it's not going to snow, just give me the, the warmer winter, and I'll deal with it. But if it's yeah. going to snow – Give me the snow and stay cold. And stay, I think that's cold. that's the hardest thing is just the, the yeah. inconsistency. And do you find it to be consistent that up in your certain areas, like are you always down in the valley floor kind of the way you are this year? And, Mike, are you consistently, you know, snow packed in the way you want or are you all over the place every year all the time? It changes. Yeah. It changes from year to year almost. I mean, right now we're we're good. You know, we had about four feet over Christmas, and it. Well, you know, just next a, week just I'll be, a light dusting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you getting nervous for the next thirty days? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I'm not. I'm. You know, my greens. We built the, the golf course was built in 2004, and and the greens are open, so there's not a lot of shade. You know, as a couple of golf courses in my area have a lot of shaded greens so it stays you know they'll have more ice damage yeah so mine mine if it melts off it's usually pretty good you know last year was the first year i've ever taken a chainsaw to a green (laughs) (laughs) how thick was it it was it was uh when we were cutting it it was probably a foot and a half holy of ice of ice (laughs) yeah shit I had I had put some blue dye on it and like try to let the sun and it worked I mean it melted but it was it was three feet at one point. I mean, it was it was solid. Yeah. And it had it had no bubbles in it, so oh, there was so no oxygen no down there. Yeah, so we nothing, knew we had yeah. to get it off. So every year, I mean, when you get a good was snow that pack, the worst you've ever had? Ever. Yeah. And you've been up here your whole career up yeah, in this so area. I've been here since 2004. We built, I grew in the golf course as a, okay as an assistant, and then took over in 2009. Okay, but have you always worked in this climate? Is my no, question. No, I was uh, in the Sacramento area. What's with the Texas hat? I'm born and raised in Texas. Born and raised? Were you in golf there? I was not in golf. Oh, okay. I've been playing golf since I was 12. So That's how you got into it? Well, I Just got into golf when I moved out to um, California in 1998 from Texas. And um, my old father-in-law was a superintendent. Okay. And I, as I got out here, I just I went to work on the golf course with, with him. And I mowed a green the first day, and I was like, sign me up. What do I got to do to do this? So my point is, this is the only job Mike has had, and this is the only thing that Mike will do. <laughs> Here in California, it is. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> is, all right, if you, weren't being a, if you weren't a superintendent, what would you be doing? Cooking barbecue. Mm. Mike and I can open a restaurant I, up someday. I, know, yeah, for sure. I did hear that there was a little yeah. bit of a like a shit talking rivalry on who cooks. <laughs> who cooks I'm, the I'm, best. I'm letting Spencer do his thing. I'm a little bit older than Spencer, and I've I've 
done my catering and and done all the parties and stuff and oh i'll cook this and now it's yeah. fun for me to sit back and nice. enjoy somebody else's cooking. Um, totally, all just self-taught. Oh, did you? Did, is there a family restaurant in your? No, just uh, just watching guys. You know, growing up, the old codgers in Texas. What's doing, the doing secret? The open wood fire. Mesquite, Start with that. Slow, slow, open and low. No triggers. Long. I'm hey, big smoke yeah. box. Hey, give me a break. I feel fucking good cooking on it it's everything comes out good yeah like i don't have to fuck with it i just came back from texas yesterday i just flew in my dad's 82nd birthday happy b-day uh, daddy on sunday and i cooked him uh i cooked he goes asked him friday what do you want for your birthday dinner he says i want brisket i'm like okay let's throw it down so i opened up my suitcase this morning <laughs> Smell like brisket. <laughs> it was all, mes- <laughs> it was all mesquite. Smoke. What's the uh, What's the secret? I've cooked it three times, each time getting better. What is the ultimate secret cooking brisket? What? The, give me the prep. Give me the temp. Give me the. <clears throat> what's the breakdown? I've heard it. So let's ask a- you. What are you doing? <laughs> let's start there. Well, I give it a little trim, cut all this little fatties off, give leave some on there. I feel like I hacked the fucking thing up. <laughs> Like, it never looks like the guy that does it on the YouTube video, you know? And I've heard that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, then I put some rub on it, and I think I I leave it out, like, unwrapped in the fridge overnight. Then I pull it out and let it sit for a while, get it to room temperature while this thing's getting warm. But obviously way before that. And then it's couple hours and then wrap it in foil throw it in there for a couple more and then throw it in a cooler all still wrapped up to keep you know cooking i forget the temps i don't know it's a long process and it seems like yeah. at the end of it it goes wow all right that kind okay, of okay well I'll go, I'll go first all right yeah because <laughs> so, ev- everyone's got their own thing yeah. so you go and then so I'll... back in the day when i first started it it was an all-night thing i would stay up and stoke the fire all night and I wouldn't wrap my brisket. <clears throat> I would, uh, I would just have sop, whether it's beer mixed with soy sauce or Creole seasoning, or or whatever spices you want to use. It's just something wet, and just keep the piece of meat, you know, moist, and you know, 225 to 250 max, 250. So 225 is a good temperature, and um, you know what I do now is just. Now that I'm older, I don't want to stay up all night. So what I did the other day is just seasoned it at night, put it in the fridge, got up at 6 in the morning. I got the uh, the fire going and then just solid mesquite and then off to the side for four hours of good hard smoke. And then I just double wrapped it up and actually stuck it in the oven in the, in the house mm-hmm. at uh, two fi- 250. Yep. So de- depending on your size, you know, a good size 10 pound brisket, you know, 12 hours, Yeah. you know, 12 to 14 hours. But I did these, uh, I think I, they were smaller ones. So it was, I only did eight hours and they were, they were just money. All right. So I, uh, I'll, I've been doing mine with a brine. So, uh, orange juice, uh, squirt soda, Bunch of seasoning, soak that thing overnight. Squirt soda is, Squ- the, is yeah. the kicker. Yeah, sounds like West Coast style. 
and actually, um, so if you're curious, go get Myron Mixon's cookbook. He's like all-time world-winning smoker, ton of good recipes. The guy has forgotten more than any of us are ever going to know yeah. about it. But it's definitely a, a place that I've learned a lot and kind of base a lot of my stuff on. But anyway, I'll brine that thing overnight, take it out, throw my rub on it. Uh, same thing, smoker. Uh, I got a, a big smoker. I can get 250 to 275 pounds of meat into it. But um, I use apple wood. That's kind of my thing. And uh, so I'll, I'll get that thing going, spray it down every half hour with, uh, you know, apple juice, apple cider, yeah. vinegar kind of mixture. Get I do it up. that. I do that. Yep. Uh, I'll get it up to 185 internal. And again, like Mike, 225 degrees in the smoker. That's kind of my, my goal, 225, 250. So once I get it to 180, 185 internal temp, I'll wrap it up. Um, before I totally wrap it, I'll throw some kind of slathery peach preserves yeah. and whatever you like on it. Wrap it up and cook it to 205 internal. And, and then pull it off. And how long do you let it sit? How long do you guys let it? Uh, or, 30 minutes or so? Yeah, That's 15 it. to You're not 30. into this like that, couple yeah. hours or an hour? No, no. It's all right. And then just make sure you guys you do paper, paper wrap yep. or foil wrap. So I've done, I've done the peach butcher paper and I've done the foil and the paper's a pain in the ass and I don't think it makes it any better. But again, that's just me. Supposed to keep it a harder crust. But all right. I guess that is, that is another step I left out the last 15 minutes. I'll kind of heat the smoker up a little more and pull the wrapping off yeah. and kind of, you, you know, crusted up there so and then if i have two i'll put one at the at the end i'll i'll put sauce on it yeah and then i always have one without so yeah but you know both good meats totally different totally different wood totally different i mean he he likes you know to use yeah. more citrus stuff and and i don't on on beef you know on pork and stuff like that what's so, your go-to like we're co we're coming to Mike's house and what is Mike cooking for all of us? Because you're gonna be like, I make the best this. Ooh, man. Well, right now, my girlfriend loves chicken thighs, and it's like, what do you want for dinner? She's like, chicken thighs uh, on the grill. But I I did some some of those on Saturday night in Texas, and it just like. With that mesquite, it just gives it that gooey. I will gooey, say sticky. that one of the best meals on the Traeger is chicken thighs. Yeah, you know, you know. Sorry, wrong. sorry for being my <laughs> my easy smoking self, but <laughs> fuck, well, my go-to is badass chicken thighs on there. Yeah, my go-to and and just a quick thing is always just steaks and and chicken and some good old sausage. Oh, I love me some brats on that bad boy. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Shit, what's your go-to? Ribs? Like, if I was going to smoke something, yeah, I, I, I can do some killer ribs. Nice. Ribs and pulled pork are kind of my... Last year, we were supposed to do a little competition here, here yeah. him and I. But I always go back to Texas at this time of year, so I missed last year's I gotcha. deal. So maybe next year we'll do a little bit of 
he does his ribs, I do my ribs, or whatever. We'll do something. We yep. need the smoke. Fun. We need that's, the That's the whole problem. we got to get out of, out of California so we can actually get a real fire going. Yeah. Fucking hang an animal in there. Let's wrap this bad boy up. We're going to see you tomorrow. I promise we'll catch up. Later. Stop